This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Season two of the Pat and JT podcast. Oh my, now I'm here at last. The best time, always gonna be the best. Come on. Exclusively on the Herd App Media Network. It's Pat and JT on Twitter, Instagram, and also on Facebook. Um, you can't text us yet because we don't have a new number yet, but we will get a new number shortly. One of these days. One of these days, yeah. yeah. So all the people that are getting the bounce back text are talking to some lady in Jersey. Sorry. What? The lady you in Jersey. Do you think she's in Jersey? I don't know. <laughs> My gut just says it's, Jersey. What is the area code they use on it? It's, it's our area code, area code, though, isn't it? Yeah, that's it's true. It's a 402. That's true. It's a 402. And I, I don't know. Well, anyway. Uh, anywho. Uh, this this is kind of unique. We've been talking about this for a couple, three weeks. Uh, we know that October is Cybersecurity Awareness Month, and that's because of Centrist Federal Credit Union. They've kind of kept us up to speed on what's going on. And, of course, they take extra precautions when it comes to your money and, and protecting your, 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 your goodies and, and protecting you when it comes to their bank side. But they also want to help you with other areas online. And they have a whole cybersecurity center on their website, completely free resources that you can tap into. And they invite you to do so on their website. Go ahead and uh, check it out, federally insured NCUA. I always throw that in. I'm going to let Pat do his part. Uh, the website is centrusfcu.org or 402-334-7000. And the reason why this all comes together for us is because we have a guest from the FBI with us. Very cool. Are you a little nervous? No, I'm good. I'm clean. Okay. I've, been good. I've been good. I've been okay. fingerprinted and tested. I'm fine. Oh, my goodness. As far as I know. Really? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Gene Cowell is with us from the FBI Special Agent. Gene Cowell from the Omaha office, correct? Hi, Jill. How are you? Good to be here. I am good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Doing okay. great. So tell us, uh, first off, we met about a month ago, two months ago? We did. We were so young, so full of life. I know. Life. Uh, <laughs> it's so long ago. It's crazy. Um, and you actually came to my Rotary Club and spoke. I speak about my Rotary Club often. You do speak about your Rotary Club Highly often. encourage people to get involved with that. And if you want to, let me know. Uh, anyway, you came and spoke. And I can't even remember. It was, it was along these lines, though, of cybersecurity. And, uh, and I wanted to talk more with you because a lot of the people that we engage with are, well, it's families. And it's families. And they're trying to figure out ways to keep their families protected and keep their kids protected and their grandkids protected, their husbands protected, their wife, you know, as far as when you're online. And lately, we've been seeing so much information about scams, text messages, emails, all that stuff. And I thought, you know, we have an expert right here in town. Let's bring him in. So welcome, first off. And let's find out a little bit more about you first before we dive into all the analytics. Sure. So are you from Omaha? I'm not from Omaha, but I got here as soon as I could. Okay. Uh, we moved here, <laughs> moved here about three years ago. Uh, I moved around a variety of places in the bureau, but when the Omaha field office opened, uh, it just seemed like a wonderful opportunity for myself, professionally, for my family. Uh, so I applied, I expressed interest, and uh, Director Ray called and said, Gene, you're going to Omaha. So super excited to be here. And so although I'm not from here, one of my kids was born here. So I think through him, okay. I, I like to say I'm like a, oh, almost a cool. native Nebraskan. Right? That's cool. That's how that works. That's how that works. And now you're so. connected. Yeah. That's it. Well, welcome to the Omaha area. How long have you been here? I've been here three right, years. Three years. Three okay, years. that's right. All right. So what, what exactly is your specialty and, and how did you get in the FBI? 
Sure. And first, you know, happy to be here. You know, why am I here? Uh, we just learned a long time ago in the FBI that the greater degree that people know that we're here, know that we're in the community, you know, find us to be a trusted partner, uh, you know, the greater that we can both protect the community and uphold the Constitution, which mm -hmm. is our dual mission. Uh, for me, I, you know, the FBI was never something that was on my radar growing up as a kid. Uh, you know, I saw Point Break, good movie, but I never thought of it as a career for me. And um, so after college, I went to law school. I worked as a prosecutor for a little while. Uh, but then I sort of had a desire to uh, be more in the forefront of building cases, uh, sort of building enterprises, uh, identifying more subjects and dismantling criminal enterprises. So I heard about the FBI and I applied and they had me come back for some interviews, had me come back and do some push-ups, uh, and then uh, went down to Quantico, Virginia, uh, to the FBI Academy, and that was about 18 years ago. Wow. Does every, everybody goes through Quantico, right? They Just do. The every agent does. You know, one interesting thing about the FBI is uh, we have about 40,000 employees. Only about a third of them are special agents. Uh, the other third are uh, folks in our intelligence cadre. Their job is really to look at the information we collect, identify what are the threats over the horizon, or what are other subjects or activity we can learn about and go investigate. And then the other third are sort of what we call our professional staff, everything we need to kind of run an organization, everything from examining uh, computer devices we might seize and exploiting them for forensically to uh, auto mechanics to information technology specialists uh, sort of the whole gamut sure, of people no we idea. might need right? I had no idea is there it's self-contained right is there a big FBI presence in Omaha is office pretty good sized yeah Omaha is one of the uh, FBI has 56 main field offices so you think of LA Denver Atlanta Detroit New York and Omaha is one of them from our office in Omaha we oversee all FBI investigations across the states of Nebraska and Iowa and we have eight resident agencies smaller offices throughout Wow. So in Nebraska, we have offices in Grand Island, North Platte, Lincoln, and then in Iowa, Sioux City, uh, Cedar Rapids, Des Moines, uh, Waterloo, and the Quad Cities area. Hmm. No That's idea. It's yeah. kind of right along the I-80 corridor to sure. a degree, yeah. right? Which makes sense. Yeah. Yes, we all grew up with that and understanding what that meant. <laughs> and now we're even learning more as we go on. Uh, people are becoming more and more aware of what that really does entail. I think for a long time we were blissfully ignorant uh, to we knew there were drugs, but we're learning more and more about some of the other trafficking that goes on in people uh, and other things that have gone on in this in the the state, which is just kind of like appalling to the people that live here. Right. Um, and the more you find out, you just kind of like what? But you got you got to find these things out it's just so you know, so you're aware that it's a possibility. And those two threats you mentioned are some of our you know highest priority criminal threats, both transnational organized crime, like uh, bringing drugs into our two states, uh, and human trafficking. You know, we especially see, you know, we've had an initiative working with both the DA and uh, state agencies, local agencies, to really target the most prolific uh, drug traffickers in our state. And we're seeing an in increase of both meth, fentanyl, some very dangerous drugs. Right now, fentanyl, as you all know, is uh, the lead leading cause of death for adults 18 to 45 in the U.S. See, that, that's something I think, say that again, the leading, right? It is the leading cause of death. The information I have is that it is the leading cause yeah. of death for sort of that young adult cadre. That's just, uh, that's just crazy because how, I'm going to say like a few years ago, that was not the case, right? I mean, it was probably heart disease or something else. You know what I mean? It's like, that's what people expect when they hear leading cause of death. You expect it to be something like that. Mm -hmm. um, right. When did fentanyl become number one? I don't know when it became number one, but I do know is that the challenge we have with fentanyl is uh, it's much, much cheaper than other drugs. Mm -hmm. You know, it's produced from chemical precursors, mostly produced in China and India and then processed in Mexico by the cartels and sent here. So unlike a crop, 
uh, say like poppies or marijuana, it has to at least be grown, uh, or heroin, right, comes from a crop that has to be grown. Fentanyl does not have to be grown, it's just manufactured. So the supply is somewhat limitless that can come in. And what we've seen is sort of the potency of about a teaspoon uh, amount of fentanyl. It's equal in dosage to about a kilo of heroin. So it's really changing uh, sort of the spectrum of how we combat this threat. You know, it's not just a law enforcement issue, as you know. I mean, this really requires a whole of government approach. Uh, but we do think we have a vital role in trying to identify the most prolific traffickers, go after them, identify the source of supply, uh, really impose risk and consequences on the people bringing this incredibly dangerous drug into our country. Right. Let me, let me just, I know we're going to be talking cybersecurity here in just a second, but <clears throat> this other stuff fascinates me too. When they talk about fentanyl um, and you hear about, uh, they make it look like candy. They make it, they, they make it look like other prescription pills. Why? Why kill their clients, so to speak? You know, the, and, and some, they're unknowing client like the candy in mm-hmm. particular is just so disturbing um but hearing that some was disguised to look like skittles or it was disguised whatever what could be the purpose in doing that other than just terrifying us I, you know, I th- well i mean these uh these drug trafficking organizations you know their whole goal is to make money and they've identified one um that this is one way to make money by mixing fentanyl in with other drugs i mean people take drugs that are counterfeit they don't know what degree you know, fentanyl, you know, this isn't pharmaceutical grade equipment the cartels are using, right? So right. it can be erratic. But I believe that the cartels and drug trafficking organizations have also found that overdose deaths don't necessarily drive customers away. And sometimes I've heard it actually drives customers to that product because they think there's an additional potency there that they might be interested in. Interesting. That I never even thought about that yeah, before. Yeah, me either. Isn't that crazy? Wow. Yeah, it's scary. We had one of our podcasters lost her brother last week to an accidental <coughs> Sorry. fentanyl Sorry. overdose. And, and he had he'd struggled with addiction for a while, but it was one of those things that took something that he didn't know where it came from. And it was it. And it's, my, my kids are 20 and 18. And, you know, I have I know your parents telling you this. My parents told me this. It just seems like a different ball game now than it was when we were younger. And I just hope they understand that or, or try to understand that. I try to instill that in them. But I'm just terrified all the time of them taking something they shouldn't and or just being just gone. taking something innocuous an aspirin for god's sake i mean when right. you're talking about prescription pills that are made to look that are made of fentanyl fentanyl but are made to look like something you trust right that's the other side of it it's not even taking something your friend gives you it's just you know what if they just <laughs> mm-hmm. again i go back to the candy it's like you think this is this is safe i know what this is or it, this is the prescription I take. Yeah. And it's and, not. And when they do that, is it, is it to fool, like the candy thing specifically, because that is fascinating. Do they do that to, to fool the person taking it or to get it, you, be able to take it on an airplane or be able to get it underneath uh, through the cops or uh, whatever? That's a great question. I don't believe, I mean, uh, you know, I, I, it's hard to speak in hypotheticals. I don't believe that the cartels are trying to trick people who think they're taking candy into killing them with a dose of fentanyl. I think it's more along the line, either to make it attractive to people who know there's some kind of drug in this, uh, but make it just more attractive, uh, and also to disguise it. Uh, I, I don't believe the intent is just to kill children uh, on Halloween. Because mm-hmm. um, that, that was something that we grew up with, right? Is you grew up with, okay, be careful, razor blades in the apples, or, or pins in yeah. the apples, or in the snicker bars, or things like that. And I don't ever remember anybody Maybe there was one true story that it happened, then it became urban legend. 
Well, when we talk about fentanyl, say we, we talk about it in two ways. There's overdoses, and then, as you mentioned, there's poisonings. And sometimes the issue is people take too much uh, and they overdose. Sometimes they don't even know what they're taking, which I think is what you're talking about. And that's really a poisoning. Mm-hmm. You don't even realize you're taking a toxic substance or a substance that uh, has that level of toxi- toxicity or that dosage. Uh, you know, and people are dying from it all across the country. So it's something we work very closely with our state, local, and federal partners to combat. That's interesting. I'm, uh, I like that distinction, though, of the poisoning, because I haven't heard that yeah, before. Yeah, I haven't either. And that, that needs to be used more often, because that's what it is. Mm-hmm. It is a poisoning. It's not an accidental overdose, really. Right, it's not. Right? So thank you for that. Thank you for allowing sure. us to kind of, like, get off the main track here <laughs> just for a second. Um, so your specialty, what, what have you, you said you, you wanted to get more into identifying and, 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 I guess, kind of profiling or kind of things like that? Or what do you... What do you so over the course yeah. of my career, I'll say, like, I've had the opportunity to work a wide variety. You know, the FBI works so many things from cybercrime to counterterrorism to the full range of criminal violations uh, to counterintelligence, you know, nation state threats. So in my career, I spent a lot of time working uh, sort of organized crime, uh, leading gang task forces, leading task forces, uh, protecting children, you know, going against crimes against children. I've spent a lot of time in the terrorism arena, both here domestically and also serving overseas in Iraq and Afghanistan. Uh, so I've got to work a variety of things in my career and seen different parts of the Bureau. Here in Omaha, you know, we're working the full spectrum of threats across Nebraska and Iowa. So you know, we focus a lot on counterterrorism, on counterintelligence, on cyber threats, and the full range, as, as I said, of criminal threats. We still respond to bank robberies. We do public corruption. We do civil rights, human trafficking, uh, crimes against children, wide-scale financial fraud, uh, organized crime. Wow. And, uh, you know, we're in, in all those things we do, you know, we work really hand-in-hand with our local partners. There's very little that we do by ourselves. Almost everything we're doing, we're staying shoulder-to-shoulder with our state and local partners, mm-hmm. using the form of task forces. And we invite those agencies to send officers or deputies to join our task forces. We give them clearances, often give them vehicles, and they sit side-by-side side in our office to work on whatever the crime or national security threat is that task force is focused on. So let's talk cybersecurity. Cybersecurity, how much of a pain is this? It's like every time you, you it's, like, it's like whack-a-mole. Mm-hmm. It seems like you yeah. just get one thing under control and then they pop up somewhere else. What, what is it you're seeing right now that maybe people aren't aware of or that you want people to be, just in general, this, this is the threat you really got to watch for? Sure. I, w- I would say two things. One, without <clears throat> question, whether you live in California, Nebraska, Iowa, New York, the cyber threat is growing exponentially. It's targeting a wider variety of victims. There's a large amount of loss. Uh, there's a greater scope of damage than ever before. We look at it in two ways, and it's what we call blended threat. There's the nation state threat, right? The governments of, of China, Russia, North Korea, Iran, who might be targeting us to steal our information, to get into our critical infrastructure, right, in a time of conflict to be able to affect our water supply, power supply, or here in Nebraska and Iowa to affect our production of food, feed, and biofuel, right, would be a significant impact on our nation's security. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then we also look at the criminal side, and we see that both in the form of scams and business email compromise, romance scams, and also ransomware. Uh, And what we all know, right, all of us, uh, live our lives more and more in the digital sphere, right? We share information online, we communicate online. Even the agricultural industry, for many, many farmers with precision agriculture, a lot of their data is stored in the cloud. Uh, and their ability to farm effectively and efficiently and productively is relying on that interchange of data. 
So um, we encourage everyone, one, uh, to use cyber hygiene in their personal life, professional life, to use multi-factor authentication. Very careful what you share online. Um, and two, to have sort of a cyber response plan. If you're a business, you know, have a plan for what's going to happen if you lose access to your data. Store your data oh. in sort of an air gap yeah. backup. Plan to have a relationship with the FBI beforehand. <laughs> That's a um, good idea, actually. Call the FBI, <laughs> yeah. uh, and we're ha we'll do whatever we can to respond. In those situations with corporations or businesses or public entities, you know, they're a victim for us. Like We come in with a very victim-centered approach. We want to help them get back in business. Also, want to be able to impose risk and consequences on the adversary. You know, identify and attribute where this attack came from. If we can arrest those people, mm -hmm. we'll do that. If we can indict and arrest and extradite those people from another country, we'll do that. If we can provide information to a foreign partner to dismantle the threat, we'll do that. If we can take away the money or ability for that actor to operate, we'll do that. Um, but, but, you know, we just encourage everyone to be very, very careful. You know, if you receive emails or texts and you weren't expecting it, you know, and it's not from someone you know, uh, you know, be very reticent about clicking on that link. You know, don't click on that link. Verify oh. where it came from. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, if you get a text yeah. from your bank, you know, don't click on the text. You know, you can go to the bank's official website and maybe pursue another channel. But, uh, you, know, yeah. uh, you know, we even see scans where people report to be from the FBI or law enforcement saying, uh, you know, we have a warrant for your arrest. Uh, or you're, you're late for jury duty. For you to clear this, you have to pay a fine. Uh, wire us some money here. Send us a you know Apple gift card here. Right. And um, remember, they used to do that on the phone too. Yeah. I mean, that, scary that, to death. It would they call you and they they're from the police or the sheriff's department or the state patrol or the something IRS. like that. Yeah, the IRS. Exactly right. yeah. yeah, they would try to to do it. And it's just uh, it's just evolved into online. And when you were talking about links, um, not only for your family and your children, um, my parents have they both have smartphones and they're still learning the technology, even though they've had smartphones. Well, they've had phones since they first came out, right? Yeah. I think my dad was an early adopter. He had a bag phone back in the 80s. Uh, so sure. he's always had the cell phone. And learning, though, it's, it's, it's hard to, and he wants to understand what, what they're doing. But just for him, I think for a lot of people, too, in, in the older generation, they just can't believe how dishonest so many people are. And that how they, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just like he gets a text for a delivery that he doesn't have a delivery of anything. And he's, he's worried about what, what is, what is this? And, but he knows now, do not click any links. <laughs> yeah, we are, we are really well versed on that. Well, you have to remember that these uh, cyber criminals, these scam artists, they get very, very good at, I mean, they're doing this every day. And if they send out 100,000 emails and get a couple back, that's fine. You know, victims aren't used to this, right? Mm -hmm. we're, not, we're not trained as well to identify what's a scam, what's not. You know, here in Nebraska and I, we're like, we're, we're very trusting of each yes. other. So uh, the scammers have a big advantage in this arena. Uh, you know, so, uh, you know, we're very focused on this, focused on educating people and how they can protect themselves, how they can protect their data, protect their lives. We see with ransomware. Uh, I was going to ask you about ransomware. That, that to me is a, it's a fascinating uh, side of this. And especially with what happened in Las Vegas, just a couple sure. of months. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline.
months ago, is that, I mean, they can get in there and they can hold these companies, these organizations, their data hostage, and yet communicate and try to get money from them, and they can't be tracked down. They can't be found. That's that. Is that something you or guys are getting? They you, be? Are you guys figuring? <laughs> trying to? You're getting closer to being able to figure that out, or is sure, it different no, case listen, by case? We we can we identify where the what the malware variants are. We mm-hmm. identify where they came from. We we work hard to attribute where it came from, and we will we will impose risks and consequences on them. We, you know, we will arrest them. We will pass the information to a foreign counterpart. Eventually, they'll be found. So um, we don't find every criminal, but uh, you know, it's not that there's no magic cloak of anonymity. The real danger is, um, or I guess the real exponential risk with this is you no longer have to be a cyber criminal expert to commit a ransomware attack. Mm. Maybe that was the case 10 years ago. You had to have some sort of technical know-how or proficiency. That's not true anymore. Uh, You can go on the dark web and uh, it's like ransomware as a service. You can sort of rent a ransomware. Oh my God. You can purchase it. (laughs) That's amazing. Um, I believe it. I believe it. And the criminal syndicates providing it, they'll give you customer service. They'll coach you how to deploy it, how to use it how to obtain money. If so, they weren't making wow. money doing it, they wouldn't do it. You know, it's like they, they found a way, they found a business model. Exactly right. And we've seen, you know, in other areas like that, Joe, we've seen, like we've seen a, a, a large rise in sextortion. You know, mm-hmm. sextortion is when people obtain, you know, images of other people, often young people, uh, you know, perhaps not clothed in another compromising position, and they extort them for money in exchange for not disclosing it. And perhaps it used to be something that was done in the U.S., or maybe done by even by sexual predators, but now we're seeing overseas criminal syndicates do this as a business. Wow! Um, you know, target hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands, of people every day in the U.S. Try to pretend to be people they're not, uh, solicit images, and then extort people to pay them not to have those disclosed. Uh, so it's become a business. It's yeah. no longer just like a group of sexual predators doing this. Uh, this is like a, a criminal. Syndicate that's, operating overseas. I think that's the that's the thing that that that's the change is that you imagine when this stuff happens, it's some dirtbag that's got dirty pictures, you know, that is just a sleaze. And honestly, it's probably some guys in suits, and they're they're making buku bucks and financing their lives. And this is just how they make money with the customer service team. That exactly. blows me away. Right. Yeah. Right. As AI, then. Now that we've got artificial intelligence that's involved, obviously, we've seen it in the movies. We've seen actors getting upset because their images, their voices can be replicated and duplicated. And now that probably just messes everything up even more so because somebody may have pictures out there that were not even of them, but they certainly appear to be. Well, it's twofold. Right? Exactly right. There's the issue of uh, you know altering images. There's also the issue of right now, there's not really a... You know, there's almost an unlimited supply of people willing to commit these schemes, but it is somewhat limited by people. Uh, as AI becomes more complex and sophisticated and deployable, well, criminal syndicates won't need a team of 100 people in another country, you know, sending out these emails. They can use bots to do it, mm. and the bots can even engage back and forth with the victim. Oh my God! That's so right. once that happens, <laughs> uh, you know, wow. we we will see. Uh, you know, an even larger increase in these types of scams. Because then essentially there'll be no limit. You won't even be limited by having to find, you know, other uh, people to work in your criminal organization. Yeah. You can just deploy technology. So really, I, I kind of feel like there's a there's a potential for kind of like a boomerang effect. Like when we first started getting online, um, I was like 
I gave away nothing. Pat gives away everything. Mm-hmm. He doesn't care. He's like, yep. let's roll the dice. Let's, <laughs> let's go. And, <laughs> and, and I was, I like use a, an alias online. I, you know, it's like all the, the whole nine yards, not, not want to do anything. I didn't want to do my banking online. Now I do. I didn't want to do, you know, it's just like all the things. I didn't have like Facebook. I wasn't real engaged, uh, you know, just kind of down the, and then, then you get more and more comfortable. And so everybody's getting more and more comfortable, I think, in giving away more and more information because they see the value to saving time and saving money. And there's a, okay, well, I'll sign in with my Google account. Oh, okay, well, I'll go ahead and use this or, you know, um, facial recognition or I'll use my fingerprint, you know, and you're giving more and more information away. And now all of a sudden we're at this place where this, this, this point where it's like, I just want to take everything back. I don't even want to do anything anymore that maybe people kind of, you know, they're, they're starting to pay attention again. Do you feel like there there was a time here where everybody kind of let their guard down a little bit? Well, I think so. There's a while when the internet was new uh, and people were cautious, then it became sort of a, sort of a wide open atmosphere. I mean, I remember the time and we should all still do this, of course, but remember the time when we were so cognizant of the need to shred your mail. Yes. Like someone could steal your mail yep. or, or, or like if you're going to throw away a credit card receipt in your trash, you should shred it, tear it up. Of course you should do that. But the real risk is something you cannot protect from. Now, even if you're incredibly cyber diligent, you can't protect from a company being hacked and those companies hold your data. Yeah. Right? We all have to do our part. But even if you have the most cyber discipline, you know, our information is stored other places, right? Um, it's stored throughout the world. Banks. And uh, banks have it, credit <laughs> agencies have it, phone companies have it, utility companies have it. I think of all the places that have your information. So even if you're not online at all, uh, and in fact, sometimes there's a great risk if you're not online at all, you have no online presence, your information still lives in the digital space. Yeah. It can still be stolen by other actors from other companies. And then if they start trying to create profiles on your behalf, if they start opening accounts on your that's behalf, it. you actually might yeah. not be aware of it yeah, if you have point. no online presence, right? Uh, you won't know that someone's created a Facebook account on your behalf for criminal purposes if you're not on Facebook, right? No yes. one ever might and a lot of people point. don't even know that that happens. And that was something I wasn't aware of until we started working here, honestly, with the agency side, because they work with online presence and, and all that good stuff and talking about businesses. If you don't have a business profile on Facebook, they'll make one for you. You know, and then, yeah. then you have no control over what's being said about you, what people are posting about you and your business. And if you think, I don't even want to deal with that, you can't say that. You can't say, I don't want to deal with that. You have to deal with it because if you don't, they will. And you need to monitor it. And I had no idea that that was the case. Like, just to throw one out there, if you're a business with multiple locations and each location doesn't have its own Facebook page, Facebook will make one for each one. <laughs> And you don't even know it's there. And, and it affects your business. Yeah. And, and personally, like you said, never even thought about that, that you end up with. But I see it happen to my, my mom, uh, friends of my mom. I get friend requests. And I know this isn't my mom's page because I'm already friends exactly with right. right? And it created another one. And I, it, it just baffles me. I'm like, why her? Why is it doing that to her? You know, why is it, why is it picking? And, and it scares them. I think it's important to remember people aren't usually being targeted for anything individual. These are bulk schemes. You know, millions of people are being targeted and uh, the criminals are hoping some will bite or some will be more vulnerable. You know, and we don't only mean to be a purveyor of doom and gloom. You know, the, <laughs> no, we don't. We don't the, want to do that. Yeah, I don't want enhanced, you to feel that way. <laughs> the enhanced connectivity we have is wonderful, right, for families keeping in touch, for efficiency in businesses. I mean, we need to keep innovating in the technical space. And there are steps people can take. Uh, and the steps we recommend are, one, 
be very careful about anything you share publicly online, right? Lock that down. Uh, be very careful about sharing personal details where you live, your family, that is open to the public. Mm -hmm. Two, like, when we say multi-factor authentication, it sounds like a complicated cyber term, it's not. It just means whenever you access any account, have two ways of getting into that account. Mm -hmm. Like have a password and a fingerprint. Have a password and a fact about yourself. Maybe a password and you have to get a text to your phone or use an RSA token, right? Always have at least two things uh, that to get into that account. And that really can protect people uh, to a great degree, right? Because wouldn't, then it's no longer, it, oh, go yeah. ahead. Well, wouldn't if, if just get rid of the whole password and pin theory, philosophy or, or way of doing it and just have fingerprint and retina scan and wouldn't that kind of help immensely since we only have one Until fingerprint? Until they duplicate it. Yeah, I mean, could, is there, is there a way can, that... Can, you know what I mean? It's like that they can, they, can, they can steal that still, can't they? I mean... Well, I would say this one question, uh, it's a great point. Like, in the future, are we going to keep innovating and find ways to lock down accounts to a greater degree? Yes. But one, there will always have to be other ways to get into accounts. Two... Uh, what I've seen in my career and the FBI has seen, you know, in our 115 years of existence is criminal schemes will continue to evolve. So even if it gets to a point where you have to use some, you're talking about biometric, you need some biometric feature to get into any account. Let's say that existed. But even all those biometrics, right, the computer reduces it to some kind of code. I mean, that's still reduced to like bits. Mm -hmm. So will criminals eventually I mean. be able to find a way to like... I just didn't know how to say it, but one, I knew what I meant. You know, your <laughs> fingerprint, it still is going to come down to like, there's some got to be some kind of code equal to that fingerprint. Maybe right. it's a, a unique code. Will criminals find a way to identify what that is and duplicate it? I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. What I am sure about is that uh, we'll keep taking protections. We'll keep going after criminals and the criminals will continue to innovate. And yeah. then we'll have to innovate uh, to counter their techniques. And that's, that's never ended. I mean... You think about the FBI been around for over 100 years. You think about, you know, uh, in the 1940s when we, people started developing like widespread automobiles and we started having interstate crime, right? Like in 1915, interstate crime was, it happened, but it's difficult. It's hard to get around. Right. But once you start having highways, um, wired transmissions, cars, well, now we're having all new crime schemes. People can quickly go from one state to the next, uh, which you know, before would have Changed taken days, everything. right? Mm -hmm. Now you can do it in hours. People can transmit information on the wires, uh, on the phones, right? There's constantly been innovation and, and we are devoted sort of innovating techniques to keep both, keep people safe you know, and uphold the constitution. Yeah. It is, I'm sure it is just like, again, I go back to whack-a-mole, but it's, they, they just need to get in once. And like you said, they throw out a thousand opportunities, whether it's email, texts, whatever it is. And if they hit one or two, that's a win. And yeah. yet on the other side, right. you personally have to be right every time you, to block them, right? And you, you miss one time and then boom, you've lost everything. And that's why we recommend everyone, whether you're a, a multinational corporation or just a private citizen, you know, have, have hard copies of your data. Like have it or have, it, um, have your data stored in something that is not connected. We call it that's air gap, not connected to the internet. You know, yeah. have your photos, keep them online Keep them on your cloud storage, but also we recommend, you know, back that up on a hard drive that you keep in your closet, right? Right. Uh, if you're a corporation, keep all your, or your school district, right? Keep all your information somewhere that isn't connected to the internet. So that even if you are uh, hit with ransomware, even if your data is encrypted and you can't decrypt it and you can't get it back, 
you can get back into business. They can't hold yeah. you hostage with that. Isn't it funny when they first started with the computers? I remember getting the computers in the offices and everybody was imagining this paperless society. We aren't going to have to have file cabinets anymore. Or the, and that's never happened. <laughs> and, and you're right. You still need to keep, even if it's not an actual physical copy of things, but somewhere that's not connected. And we've been stung by that, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, where everything got taken um, uh, as far as our digital files, audio, right? And and it was just that was just a, I don't know. I think somebody just clicked on a link. I don't think it wasn't ransomware. Yeah, it, wasn't, it, was, it wasn't anything it was nefarious. Yeah, it was just yeah, poof, like, uh, and everything's 12, gone. Twelve years of audio commercial <laughs> shows, everything like that was gone. But there well, was no storage offsite. Sure, sure. Yeah. Well, you know, what it's when you think about it, there's industries that you would think. You might think are only tangentially related to computers, but they will shut down if they're hit. What are some of the industries? Um, you know, education. You would think, well, schools are about teachers and classrooms and books. Mm-hmm. But we've seen over and over throughout the country when a school district gets hit, one, they're a ripe target for cyber criminals because they know municipal governments and public sector agencies won't have the same uh-huh. level of cybersecurity as you know, a multinational corporation. But regardless, a school district, if they get hit, this means, right, they no longer can access their bus schedules, lunch schedules. Uh, their access, you know, cards they're using in and out of the building may not be working. Uh, attendance won't be working. Um, so there's a lot of things they actually can't do. Yes, could a teacher stay in the classroom with kids? Yes, but the kids aren't going to be able to get there because the buses no longer have access to pick them up. The key fobs might not work into the That's building. Uh, they won't be able to schedule the lunch. So, so we see this all the time that when school districts are hit. We yeah. see it. You read about it in the paper there. You know, they send kids home. Yeah. Uh, and we see that across many, many agencies. And like I, we talked about earlier in agriculture, you would think, well, why can't farmers farm? Mm-hmm. But if a farmer's hit and loses access to their data, if a grain co-op is hit, sometimes these agencies you know, can't continue to function until they retain access to their data. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that just crazy, though? That's fascinating, yeah. I know it. I know it. I, I, and as things keep evolving, there's going to be more ways. And I guess really it is, like you said, it's not all doom and gloom. It's just being aware that there there's always going to be somebody looking for a way to take advantage. There's always going to be bad guys that are out there. Um, you know, just, you just have to be prepared for it. And, and it's not like you can't win because you absolutely can. It's not, don't give up, <laughs> but it is, it is scary, but you just need to be aware and you can't hide from it. And you know, in fact, there is one thing we haven't talked about, but we do have, if you're the victim of a sort of an online scam or a, a wire fraud scam or you've sent money and you realize it's a scam or you've been the victim of a crime, there's a short amount of time where if you contact us, if you contact the FBI, uh, we can often get that money back. Uh, you know, usually there's a small window of time, whether it's 24, 48 hours, we have a certain success rate of sometimes be able to uh, use a financial kill chain to get that money back. So it's important that if people feel they've been the victim, quickly either Call your local FBI office yeah. or even just go online. We have a website called ic3.gov. It's the letter I, letter C, number three, dot gov. You know, put in your report. You'll be contacted. And if there's a chance and the time uh, is in relatively recent duration, we do have the ability to sometimes even to get money back. That's fantastic yeah, to know because I think for a lot of people, right, when it happens, there's that, that instant, like if you do, even if you click a link, you know, you're not supposed to. There's that immediate feeling of, oh, no. And you don't want to tell anybody because <laughs> yeah. you're hoping it just goes away. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. But just, yeah. but just reach out immediately and know you're not alone first off, because obviously you wouldn't have that available to them if this wasn't something that happens frequently enough that, sure. that you were going after it. So it's not like you're the only person that's, that's ever done this, but, but reach out and ask for help immediately. Yeah. As fast as you can. Yeah. 
Yeah, this is fascinating. I, I could I could talk about this stuff all day long, though. I, I have so many other questions. Uh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to have you back and talk about some other stuff too. Yeah, like she could go on for. Days. I'm like the queen of sure. rabbit holes, uh-huh. so I <laughs> I've got so many questions, but I'm trying to stay right here, stay in our lane like we're supposed to. Um, so, any parting words as far as cybersecurity? Uh, I'm sure you guys have resources as well for people if they're looking for information on how they can protect themselves and their families. We do, of course. If you go to our website, you know, www.fbi.gov, and then go through to the cyber links, there's a, a wide variety of resources of actions people can take to protect themselves. The number one thing is just to be aware, be vigilant, have good cyber hygiene, and have a plan of what you're going to do if you are the victim or you do get hacked. And if you're a corporation or a business or a public sector agency, you know, have the FBI be part of that response. I'm glad plan. you circled back to that because uh, when you said that at the top of the show about uh, making a plan in advance and getting familiar with the FBI office. So if you're a business, small or large, uh, and having a contact and having a plan before it happens is going to make you feel a lot better when and if something happens. And that's right. I mean, and this holds true, not just in the cyber arena, but every arena, you know, we try to have a relationship before something happens. You know, uh, our office here, we have a vast territory, right? Nebraska and Iowa, vast territory. I think over 600 state and local police agencies. And my goal is that if there's ever an incident in one of these counties, cities, uh, towns, that if if we offer help, uh, that the chief or sheriff has already had a relationship with us. They've met us. They've met me. They've met some in our office. Uh, they know who to call us. It's they not find like us the movies a- where you just roll up and we're with the FBI. We're going to take it over now. Yeah, it's definitely not. <laughs> definitely not like the movies. You know, uh, you see that in movies all the time. But in real life, as I said, it's actually the opposite. Like uh, if you were to walk down the halls of our office, you wouldn't be able to tell seat by seat who's an FBI agent. You know, who's with Omaha Police Department, who's with Nebraska State Patrol, who's with uh, Sarpy County. You, you know, we all sit. Si- and that's true in every FBI office across the country. Uh and uh, and often, especially in Nebraska and Iowa, you know, a vital role we play is smaller agencies often need more help than a bigger agency. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a very, very large major city police department has a lot of resources that a 10 or 15 person department uh, might not That's have. Good point. Right. Scotts Bluff, Alliance, you know, Valentine, you think of smaller cities in our state. Uh, and so often there's resources that we'll offer to help even when there's no federal prosecution there. Like we're not looking to make this any federal case that we're going to go to the U.S. Attorney's Office with. It's just a significant case in that area. Uh, perhaps it's an active shooter. Perhaps it's a mass shooter. Mm-hmm. Perhaps it's a cold case murder. And we often will go in to help, uh, whether whether we send tactical assets like our SWAT team, technical assets, people to work with victims, negotiators, uh, whatever it is we can do, we, that's a big role we play. So actually, it's quite the opposite. It's not that we're taking cases over. We're often pushing, pushing, pushing resources out or offering resources out to chiefs and sheriffs to help them if, if they if they so desire. Which is great to know. Yeah, that is cool. Thanks you know, so much for coming. Oh, did you have one? Go ahead. No, no, no. Of course. It's been my pleasure. Thank you. The great questions, and I really enjoyed the conversation. Now, this has been fun. It really has a, an, an informative. Uh, Learn some things, um, and it's just it's fun to talk to somebody who is on the other side of this, because on this side, you know, you see the rumors online. You, you see the scams that are coming across, and, and some of the stories aren't true about some of the things and, and if you have questions go to go to the 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 the, the i guess really the the feds you want to go right to the top and find out how you can combat these things as opposed to just um maybe taking what the guy on twitter said to do exactly right right 
I do yeah. know that if I had an FBI badge, if I was in the FBI, oh, I, God, I would go, go. I would if I showed up like at offices for a meeting or just <laughs> randomly like had a friend at an office, I would go to the front desk and I'd be like, uh, would you say federal agent, federal agent, Pat Safford here, I need to see Jill Thomas, please. Uh-huh. And I'd be like super stoic and like show my ID uh-huh. just to see what their reaction would be like, oh my gosh, what did Jill do? Right. <laughs> What did she do? Why is the FBI after her? Well, I tell you, on? you know, it's so interesting you say that because so much of our work and our success is really built more with what we call like soft approach, like building rapport with people in difficult circumstances. So they want to work with us. So they want to share information with us. So uh, to the opposite it, of that. So, so it's not men in black. It's, yeah. uh, you know, the, the portrayal you see in movies uh, is often not accurate in that. You know, the way that we can really solve crimes, protect the community, uphold the Constitution is that people want to talk to us. They trust us. And. It's yeah. often very hard for people to share information, uh, and they only do that they find us to be a trusted partner if we're able to sort of build rapport with them. Uh, so we often find the soft approach, uh, the personal approach, is really what helps us not achieve as our fun, mission. but probably more effective. So, so right. just one of the many reasons you're not a federal agent, right? One of many reasons. <laughs> Most of them physical. <laughs> Thank you, Gene. Really appreciate it. Uh, My pleasure. It was nice to meet you. You too. Uh, Thank you guys for listening. Rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast um, and share with your friends. We appreciate it. Thanks for listening. Pat and JT. Podcast. A Huda Media Production.